blessings that you give us each day. Hallelujah. Help us, oh Lord Jesus, to live in that blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I am so thankful, Lord, that we can come to you anytime. Lord, you hear our prayers. You answer our prayers. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You alone are worthy of the praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
something to shout about this morning, church. We have something to be thankful for, that we have a hope and glory. We have a hope beyond this world. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Folks, this isn't all there is. This isn't it. We have a hope beyond this life. That's where our hope lies. That's where our treasures are. Amen. Praise God. And we're going to enter into that someday. Praise God. The Bible says, comfort one another with these words. That is a comfort. Praise God. Because in this life, things aren't always fair. Things don't always balance out down here. But they will. They will at the end. God will balance every book. Praise God. Praise God. And we get to see the one that suffered on a cross and died for us. We get to see him face to face, not through a glass darkly. Praise God. What a hope we have in Jesus Christ today. Amen. Thank you for entertaining the presence of God. You can be seated for just a moment. <clears throat> we have a couple visitors with us today, and I want to I wanna give honor to them. Uh, Kirsten. Hi. <laughs> and uh, her friend Randy, who is also uh, Sister Barb's nephew. Amen. Praise God. We are so thankful to have you guys with us today. And in fact, uh, Kirsten is, is suffering from, from some health issues. And she would like us to pray for her. So I'm wondering if there are some women that would like to gather around her right now. Amen. <coughs> We want to pray for Kirsten. Praise God. We worship a miracle-working God. We worship a healing God. Praise God. By His stripes we are healed. Let's pray together as a church body. Amen. For Kirsten, Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. You're a glorious Savior. We thank You for Your so great faithfulness to us. The covenant. 
if that were true. And guess what? God's doing great things through Braden. Amen. Praise God. And always remember, the best is yet to come. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we are so thankful and honored, of course, to have Pastor and Sister Anderson with us this morning. Our relationship with the Andersons started kind of interestingly, if that's a word. The very night that Brother and Sister Anderson was elected to be pastor in Eau Claire was the same night that we were asked or notified that, uh, well, it's, it's when we started our process trying out for this church. Amen. So, uh, so that was kind of a interesting dynamic there. But uh, Brother Anderson, uh, I counseled with him, and, and he provided uh, solid pastoral guidance while my wife and I were transitioning and seeking the will of God. Amen. And we really appreciated that, your guidance and your counsel and your prayers. Praise God. And we're looking forward to what God has in store for us here today. Amen. So as Brother Anderson comes to the pulpit today, uh, let's all stand. Brother Anderson, if you'd come. And as he's coming, let's lift our hearts and our hands to the Lord our God and thank Him for all that He has in store for us today. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord good to be in God's house. Can you shout amen? amen? Are you thankful for all He's done for you? Amen. We're going to turn to the Word of the Lord, 1 Samuel chapter 22. And what a delight it is to be with Brother and Sister Becker. He gave you the history. And uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't take any offense that they left right after we got there. I just I teased them. It was just a journey that we were taking and they were taking. And so... It was a unique time and so thankful to have gotten to spend those months together, even just in the transition, get to know them and their family. Give honor to Brother and Sister Parker. God bless you for your many years of ministry and all that God has led them and done through them. We give them honor and thankful for godly heritages that we have in this kingdom. Amen. To the whole Becker family, we honor you. It's good to see all the the, the family here. And Braden came because he loves the Beckers. Brother Becker told the testimony, but he was invited to church by this family and uh, in high school together. And uh, he is living for God because this family made the difference for him, inviting him to church, then teaching him Bible studies. And uh, he is now in in 
Purpose Institute. He is uh, growing in the Lord. He went on a missions trip this year to Africa. And just a few years ago, he didn't know anything about the Lord. I believe it was Kylie invited him to church. Is that correct? Invited him from high school. And uh, he came and he didn't know what he was getting into. But he came in and he got the Holy Ghost. And this family has loved him and taught him the Word of God. They were very instrumental. So you're looking at a, a testimony of what God can do. Amen. And we're so thankful. So he knew we were coming down here and he asked me if he could come with. And I said, absolutely. And he just wanted to get to be here with us and them. And just he loves to get to see the Beckers. So we're so thankful for what God can do. I'm going to preach you out of 1 Samuel chapter 22. The Bible says in verse number 1, David therefore departed from thence, or departed thence and escaped to the cave, Adullam. And when his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Just one chapter later, it tells us uh, in chapter 23 of First Samuel, verse 13, then David said, then David and his men, which were about 600. And so I'm going to preach to you today for just a little bit on this thought, when the misfits become the mighty. And we're going to just ask the Lord one more time, just would you pray sincerely, just for a moment, Lord, speak to my heart. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to receive from your word. I pray that you'd speak to us, God. You'd minister to us, Lord, through your word. Let somebody speak and receive. Let me speak and let somebody receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. God, you're good. You're able to do something mighty. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. You maybe see if it's possible I can get just a little bit more monitor or just a little bit louder. I'm I gotta preach again tonight and I don't want to strip my voice. Is that possible? Thank you. If if it's possible. Because I'll get excited and I'll start yelling. It may not be not well, even that, just a little bit would be wonderful. Thank you. I hope I'm preaching at the right church. That sounds wonderful. Thank you. If this is the church that is filled with people that had it all together, and then God made you just a little bit better, this sermon probably won't go over too good. Let me say that again. This is the church where you were almost perfect, and God just helped you a little bit, then this sermon may not help anybody. But if I'm preaching at a church where we realize we were all sinners, Far from God. Misfits. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like we were, really couldn't do anything by ourselves. But God came and delivered us. Then I'm at the right church. Alright? And then this sermon will really have some weight to it. and I think we'll, we'll receive something from the Lord. Is that alright to say? The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. Somebody say good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It tells us that God had created this. It was good. 
And now he was heading into, as we know, the day of rest. And relationship and favor were with the people of God that he had created. It was this way in the beginning. It was as if God had intended us to have prosperity and to have blessing. And Adam and Eve and all of creation were purposed, as it were, to have righteousness and favor with God. I mean, to be blessed, to live, as it were, right with God. And they were destined for a life of abundant fellowship with God. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. The enemy of our souls, the devil, was a very subtle, a very deceitful creature. And so, what God intended for good, it was deceit that brought a change to it. God had plans of righteousness and favor and a deceit, deception. Changed all that. I, I, we went to Valley Fair with our youth group about a week and a half ago, and I was reminded by my son of a story that had happened. And I'll have a picture for you in just a moment. They'll put up. But uh, a long time ago, we were youth president. Long time ago, and uh, in Indiana, and we did something as they do now, the real McCoys. And at the end of the year, when all the real McCoys made it. Uh, to the the amount that they had raised, we took them on a trip and we took them to an amusement park. And one particular ride we rode was called Firehawk. And you have a picture of Firehawk there, the first one. It was a ride in which you you laid down upside down and they strapped you in and everything seemed okay. And then you can see in the distance as it would go up the hill just like a regular roller coaster would. And you were kind of laying there, and it was strapping you in, and uh, you, you felt pretty secure. But as you came up over the hill and you began to go down, as you were laying this way, it flipped you over. And you were now just laying, hanging in midair, going, as it were, just like this. And then they would turn you upside down and turn you, and you'd be looking at the sky, and then they'd flip you over, and you'd be just riding, as it were, straight out like this and... Uh, and uh, you get flips. And, and, and one of the things they, they said was we wanted to make you feel like you were flying. I don't know that I ever felt like I was flying. I felt like I was falling. There was a great young man named Jesse, and he was from a church in southern Indiana. And he rode this ride about two seats over from me. You could see there was four. I was on the end, and he was on the third seat, I think, over. And Jesse is a quiet young man, and he was a, he was a wonderful soul. He, had, he loved the Lord, had come through some things, and God had done wonderful things for him. And he had raised money for Jesus for Christ. And we got to the end of that ride, and it got quiet as we kind of came in. They had to unhook you all, and we were just sitting there laying, as it were, waiting for them to unstrap us. And it was real quiet. And Jesse, just with a quiet voice as it was kind of silenced, said, What devil worshiper designed this ride? Now, that ride has been uh, torn down from what I know. You can't ride that ride. It's at Kings Island in Ohio, but it's no longer there. They've replaced it with another ride. But I, I rode it that day. When we think of the mess and the ride that is the world we live in, the world of sin, the world of captivity, I want to remind you that it was designed to be holy and to be right. But a devil himself, not a devil worshiper, but the devil himself, the subtle one, the beast came along and he brought to what God had designed to be right. He brought 
bondage and he brought sin and he brought this this uh, discontentment that we see in the world. And so we, we find in Scripture this story of David being in a cave and there's people that came to him and we notice things about them. But David became the captain to them. He became the ruler over them and he became this captain of misfits that were messed up and life had not gone the way they had planned. They came to David and he became a king over them. David represents the anointing and the favor of God towards his people. David represents the king of Israel's perhaps greatest Old Testament day. David is a type of Jesus, our anointed one. David is going to offer people a triumphant kingdom in that day and age in which they live. He is a man after God's own heart and he will offer a kingdom that will be after the one true God and it will be with righteousness. And the New Testament teaches us that we have a captain. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For it became him, speaking of Jesus, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons, bringing those that were not what they should be unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And as David was a captain to the misfits, Jesus became the captain to us that knew not what we would do without God, without His strength. He became our captain. And the Bible tells us that He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who has designed it, who can make something of our lives. That is our captain, Jesus in fact, when we read about our captain, we find words that he said. He, he came and he was in the, uh, as it were, the temple and he asked them, or the synagogue, he asked them to bring him the book of Isaiah. And he read in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, this is what he wanted to do. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me just as David had been anointed. He said, I've been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them which are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And when they heard this, I believe those that knew of David perhaps were astounded that there was somebody else that was going to be like this or professing to be like this, to be that captain that would bring misfits into a place where they could be mighty. And God, he closed the book, Jesus closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and he sat down and Every eye was upon him after he read this. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I am that captain. I am that one that came to bring healing and set free and victory. So we know that Jesus is the captain. Our captain. I'm in the right church. We were misfits. We didn't have it all together. But God became our captain in a place where we didn't know exactly how. So if you study it, then we could identify ourselves with these misfits in the cave with David. 400. And here's how they're described. You want to know how they're described? Well, they're described with three characteristics. They're described, first of all, by being in distress. The Bible says those that were in distress came to David. Somewhere they had lost their faith in the kingdom that was of Saul, and somewhere they had lost their faith in those around them. 
They could not come to bring help to their own lives. They were in distress. They were in a place of constraint. We'll talk about that because of a ruler who was subjecting their lives to unrighteousness. And they were sure that it was to no avail to try and fight on their own. So they were in distress. Secondly, they were in debt. The promise of deliverance from debt was in the law, but... They could not seem to get out from underneath it for some reason here or there. It's not exactly understood, but a perversion perhaps of teaching. Most likely a ruler who was rejecting the Word of God in my mind perhaps caused their debt to feel as if it was going to haunt them for the rest of their lives. It was going to keep them from ever being out from under bondage. And so they were distressed. They were in debt or in bondage. And thirdly, the Bible says there was those that were discontented. And if you study that word, you will find it is a dissatisfied of how their lives had unfolded. And now it almost appears as if it was bitterness. That word in the Hebrews translated bitterness somewhere uh, or many times throughout Scripture. And so they were not only distressed, feels like the walls were coming in, but they were in bondage. And thirdly, they were bitter about it. They didn't understand why it had happened like this. Why things had gone this way? Why were they not free? Why were they not living abundant? They were bitter perhaps within themselves at what they had done and bitter at others that it, things had come to them. And so these type of mis- misfits that were in debt, these ones that really were in distress, didn't know how to get out of the situations where they were at. And these that were in bitterness that had no way to get rid of the bitterness that was in them just found themselves a man named David, and said, would you be a captain over us? Little did the men who were broken and distressed know that when they walked into the cave that day, there was deliverance from their distress. There was going to be deliverance coming to their debt and to their bondage, and that bitterness did not have to have a hold on their life. Second Samuel 23 is written concerning the end. It's a summary of David's life. We're in the next book, Second Samuel chapter 23. And it comes to the end, and it's writing about David, and it talks about certain things that had to do with David's life and a summary of what his life looked like. And you'll find in verse 8, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. And it begins to tell us the stories of mighty men that were in David's life. Everything I can see from Scripture is these men were there from the beginning. And what we can see then is that this understanding is that those that walked in with distress and with debt and with bitterness, discontentment, they became mighty in God. So I'm going to take you to that in just a moment. We'll come back to this passage. But in order for us to understand how God would make us mighty, we must understand that It was within this messed up time in their life that David, I believe, would begin to be anointed as he was throughout all the Psalms and teach them and preach to them and speak to them as a captain and say, this is what you do when you're in distress. This is what you do when there's debt. And this is what you do. And this is how we believe God is able to bring us from bitterness. The messages I believe you can find of David concerning distress are in the Psalms. The concept of distress is this. In David's writing, distress as if it was in a straight place or a a, a very confined place where the walls were pressing in all around. 
And David was one that would write psalms that would teach us that God could deliver you when it seemed like the walls were pressing in from every direction. Psalm 118, verse number 1, describes the psalm like this. Or Psalm 18, excuse me, Psalm 18. It says, to the chief musician, this was a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. This was in the time period of when those men were with him, those misfits, the ones that he was try- he was with and they were trying to be delivered from Saul. And so he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. This is a man who's in distress, feels like everywhere he turns there's somebody against him, the Philistine and the enemies of Israel, and yet Saul is against him. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God and my strength in whom I will trust. And if you were a misfit, you probably had to hear these things kind of coming out of David's mouth. My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be saved from my enemies. And then, I imagine every once in a while he got the misfits together and said, You know what? The sorrows of death compass us. I know that the floods of ungodly make us afraid. I know it seems like the sorrows of hell have compassed me about. The walls are coming in from every which way. He, he tells us the snares of death prevented me. If I want to go to the right, I'm in distress there. If I want to go to the left, I'm in distress there. If I, if I would try to take a step forward, I would find distress there. But in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of His temple. And my cry came before Him. I want to tell you, when the Lord is the captain of your life, distress is not that enemy that can keep you. And He says, then the earth shook. When I was in distress, how many can remember when God shook things in your life? The earth trembled. The foundations of the hills moved and were shaken because He, my captain, was wroth with the sin that came into my life. I'm so glad God's not angry with just the misfits. He's angry at the sin and the trap and the enemy. There went smoke up out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth. Coals were kindled by it. This was a powerful moment. The captain, our God, our captain. The Bible says in verse 16 of this chapter, if we move down there, He sent from above. He took me and He drew me out of many waters that felt like they were all around me, drowning me. Distress, I cried unto Him. And He delivered me from my strong enemy and from them which hated me, for they were too strong for me. Walls had come in from every side. In my distress, I cried to the Lord and He delivered me. Psalm 118 is attributed to David by many. I called upon the Lord in my distress and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. 
It's as if we should understand this when the captain of our souls gets involved. When we are in a small place, a a place that we can't seem to turn in any way. If we will give him the power and the authority to be the ruler of our life, he can put us in a large place. A place that's roomy. A place that feels like we have room. That's why people dance and shout in a church like this. That's why people lift their hands and praise God. Because we were taken from a small place, a confined place, and put into a place where we got room to magnify Him and praise Him. The Lord delivered us from. I believe if you were to look at distress, you would understand that God delivered these people from distress. Number two, you would find the message of David to debt, I believe, found in the bondage that you can see. For David had come to a battle where Goliath was. David had come to a time where Goliath had said these very words in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 9. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then we will be your servants. But Goliath said, if I prevail against him, if I kill him, you're going to be our servants. And you're going to serve us. And from that point on, you'll be in bondage. And you won't have any way to get free from it. It would take a miracle. And here they were. And David came. We know he was a man that believed in the power of God. And the people of God should not live in the bondage to the enemy. So he, the message of a, of a captain, must have reminded them over and over again, you're not, you're not meant to live in bondage to the enemy. You're not meant to live in bondage to the world. You're not meant to live in bondage to these things that keep you. And he preached, I I would believe, and gave them the message. And here we have the captain of our soul who has said, I came that you might be free. That you might be free from sin and its bondage. You would find over and over again in David's life these messages and these songs that would come forward. He would preach and teach, I believe, to these these discontented, these bitter, these, these in debt, these ones that didn't know how they would come out, and yet they would become the mighty. Finally, I would tell you, and I, I preach this with all of my heart, this next one. There is a mess, message to the discontented or to the bitter. Because when life has not gone the way you thought it should go, when life has not come together as you thought it should come, Bitterness is the poison that brings some of the most damage to a soul. To be discontented. To be in a place where you think, why? Why has this happened? Why is it this way? Why are we running for our lives when we should be people that have freedom and that have what we should have by the blessings of the Lord or What we should have, we desire. And so, it was without doubt that there is a message to the bitter. I can tell you of Hannah who prayed, rose up early, and when she prayed, the Bible says in 1 Samuel, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And it came to pass when the time that she was about had conceived that she bare a son, the Bible tells us. That bitterness is not the end of your story. Somebody ought to hear me. Bitterness is not the end of the place where you leave this story. But that when bitterness walks into a cave with a captain, 
a captain that is the author and finisher of your soul and the author and the finisher of your faith. Somebody should hear me right now. It is taking you from a place where you feel like a misfit to a place where God would give you might like no other. David had to preach some of these messages like he wrote in Psalm chapter 64. Hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from the very fear of the enemy. I am afraid. I feel fear. I feel doubt. And by it, there's bitterness that would creep in. And hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked, from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, who wet their tongue like a sword and bend their arrows to shoot or bend their bows to shoot their arrows, even bitter words. David would write this psalm as one that had seen people that would take the bow and, as it were, put the tip of a poison upon it in the arrow, upon that arrow, bitterness, and they would use bitter words that would come against them and bitter things. Things would try to invade their soul and their heart by the enemy. These words were poisoned as it were described as arrows that would try to shoot and pierce through the soul. And that's the people that had walked into the cave with David. Discontented, dissatisfied, bitter at what had happened in their life. Before they even knew it, they were just almost drowning in this bitterness and this poison and David, I imagine, as a captain, would begin to preach and tell them, there is a God. There is a God who loves. There is a God who cares. And we find later in that chapter that David would write, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So shall they make their own tongue to fall upon themselves, and all that see them shall flee away. And all men shall fear and declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider of His doing. And all men shall fear. Verse 10 tells us, The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and shall trust in Him. And all the upright in heart shall glory. The bitterness is exchanged with trust. Somebody said somewhere, I can trust God. This captain has taught me to trust God. If David taught them anything, he said, you've got to trust God. I came to Goliath and he had a sword and shield, but I trusted in the name of the Lord. And whatever has brought bitterness to your soul in distress, if you will trust God, if you will lean upon Him, it can be delivered. This bitterness can be delivered from your life. Bitterness can be lifted from your life with an encounter of our captain and our king. There's an ancient form, and you may be familiar with this, called kintsugi. The word is translated to Japanese, a form of art, and it's translated as golden joinery. It has its history as an ancient form that started when a wealthy Japanese man dropped a very valuable and meaningful cup. The cup shattered into pieces and he sought to have the cup repaired with little success. He finally found a man that mixed resin and gold together and the end result was a work that would put the pieces back together. But not only did it put it back together, it brought a beauty to it that had never been seen before in that image. And the image that had been broken were now the essence of its beauty. The ugly cracks that would have left it broken were now filled with resin mixed with gold. 
And the gold brought beauty to this vessel that it had not before and value to it that it had not before. And such it was that it became such a sight afterwards that it was said that many vessels would even be intentionally broken, battered, put into pieces on the ground, only to be picked up and to be asked to be repaired with a form like this. That once where its cracks were, where its broken things were, where its misfits were, where the pieces that really were broken in it now showed the glory of something that had put it back together. And when Jesus found us in our distress and in our debt and in our bitterness, not only did He put us back together, but He put His glory in those places that were broken. And now when we worship Him, we worship Him not because He just put us back together, but because we see His glory in everything that He did that was broken in our lives. It brings glory to His power and what He did in us. And I believe such is the case when you look at what God demonstrated through these these misfits that walked into a cave, 400 in chapter 22, and it's 600 by the end of chapter 23 in the book of First Samuel. But Second Samuel chapter 23 begins to write back and say, By the way, there was a great group of mighty men. Now when they walked in, they didn't look just right. They were broken in all sorts of ways. These, he said, be the names of the mighty men who David had. And he begins to tell us of these names. He tells us in verse 29, and here's what I've come to just simply give you hope in and me hope in, is this. That Eleazar, who was one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that they were gathered together to battle and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose, the Bible says in verse 10 of 2 Samuel 23, this man, this one mighty man, arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. He couldn't even, it was as if it just was stuck. His hand was so there. But he fought and he wrought, the Bible says, the Lord wrought a great victory. When God gets done with misfits, that let the broken pieces be put together with His strength. They can stand. Hear me, somebody. They can stand with the sword of the Spirit and fight against the enemy. And I want to tell you, we live in a day where the enemy has made a mess of this world. I want to remind myself of that statement that young man made when he said, as we sat there in that moment, just... Who, what devil worshiper created this mess? I want to remind myself, I can hear that voice this morning as if it was loud saying, what devil created this lie and this deceit and this mess that has afflicted the world as such? But when God gets done with misfits that come in out of the world, they come in and they say, please let me find strength in victory. Please let me find strength in something you could preach. Put these pieces back together. They become men and women with the sword of the Spirit in their hand that can stand faithfully in a place where God has set them and fight a battle and gather the spoils of victory over and over and over. 
gathering the spoils when misfits become mighty. He tells us of another man, Shammah. Verse 11, the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But Shammah stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great. When God takes misfits and puts them and makes them mighty, picking the broken pieces up, they can stand in the middle of places that seem so precious and yet seem so attacked by the enemy. And they can stand there and they can reap a victory and defend things through prayer and through the Word and say, we won't give up. We can, we can make it. We can stand here while the enemy is attacking from every side. We can stand here. We won't be defeated. Why? Because they know that God took them. There was a captain that found them in a cave when they couldn't win any battle. And he taught them to be above their debt and their bitterness and their distress. And they can stand there. And when nobody else can fight, they can fight for things that are precious. And they can stand when misfits become mighty. And then he, the Bible tells us of three. They're not named. Three of the 30 chief went down. Some have an opinion of who these are. But three, three of the chief in verse 30. They came to David in the harvest time in the cave of Abdullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. The Bible says, And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines, and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem. Took it, brought it to David. Now David would not drink it because he, he, he just said, listen, I, I, I can't, that they put their life in jeopardy and I, I couldn't drink this. But just to demonstrate the power of God that was in their lives, three of the mighty could break through strongholds that nobody would even tempt to break through. When God takes misfits and turns them into mighty, They break through things that others could never break through. They stand and fight for people that others would give up on. And they stand there and they break through strongholds and places that that God would mean for them to break through. Why? Because they, they have learned something that bitterness and debt and distress and being in places where it seems like the walls are coming in from every side are nothing if God is with us and He is fighting for us. And so I've come to tell you, there is a breakthrough for the mighty because the discontent, the debt, and the distress have already been won because the captain of our life has taught us. So you stand here in a church today, and I'm in the right church. doesn't matter who in this city needs a victory. We're not here because we were just about good enough and God added the nice finishing touch. But we were the vessels that seemed dropped 
and broken and laying there, we realized we could not put ourselves back together. We owed such a debt we could not pay. We were in bitterness at what had come, and it seemed as if the walls were coming in from every side. But somehow we found that place where Jesus became our captain. And we begin to walk with Him through the storms that uh, that we would face and the storms that He would lead us through. As the Lord even told us, if any man would be a follower of Me, let him deny himself. Pick up his cross. Go with Me through your own cross. Go with Me to the place that God is going to take you. And when you get done with that, I'll make you mighty men and mighty women that can stand and fight. And you'll hold on to it. And you'll fight in places that are precious. And hold on when others would give up because of Philistine have attacked such a place and you'll have breakthrough when misfits become mighty. Just a couple weeks ago on a Saturday, there was a wedding that was going to take place in Boston. Just, just a few weeks ago. The groom's name was Patrick Mahoney and they were going to take a ferry to the uh, Thompson Island from the Boston Harbor. And that's where the wedding was. And the bride was there early. Somehow she had made it. I don't know the exact details, but she had arrived and some of her bridesmaids. And there was many there. But the groomsmen were to come later in the day. They were to get ready and they were to come later. And on the ferry waiting or waiting at the Boston Harbor to go where was the groomsmen and the groom. And along with them happened to be the photographer and the floral arrangements. And the ferry broke. And the bride was out there. And now there was just a group of misfits stuck at the harbor. They couldn't get there. And nobody let the bride know. They just didn't even let her know at this point. And the photographer was there and the groomsmen were there and the groom was there and the flowers were there and they were just stuck. And the story goes that somehow the Boston Harbor police heard that they were stuck. And the captain and the sergeant, somebody on that ship said, take me to the harbor. They brought their boat to the harbor. And the captain said, get on board. You're going to make it. I'm going to take you. And he took them and gathered all those misfits, the groomsmen, the groom, the, the, the photographer, the floral, and anybody else that needed to get to the wedding. He put them on a ship and he got them to the place they were supposed to go with nine minutes to spare. And the wedding was saved. And one day you and I were stuck. Had no way. Had no answer. In a world where a devil had created a ride that just took us and spun us upside down and made us sick. And we were walking along and we found in a place, as it were, even a cave. A place that said, don't go there. What, what's David got? What could he offer you? I know he's anointed. I know there's an anointed person there. I know there's an anointing there. But what, what could it really offer you? Do you see he's, he's, he's anointed in a world where the prince of the world seems to have all the power. The prince of this world seems to have all the authority. Why would you even go there? Why would you follow that calling? Why would you go after him? But 400 of them said, you know what? There's something about this anointing. And I'm going to go with it. And when those misfits followed that captain, they became mighty. You can almost picture him standing there with a sword in his hand. And he's just standing and it's just it's like he won't give up. But if you'd have seen him a little while ago, 
He was most likely a man that was bitter, discontent, full of debt, and absolutely felt like his world was coming in from every side. But he stands there with victory as a mighty, mighty warrior of God. Stand with me. I preach to any bitterness this morning. Once you close your eyes, I preach to any bitterness. I preach to any distress today. I preach to anybody that feels a weight of debt. Somehow condemnation has crept in and seems to keep you from feeling that you could be free. I preach to those that just feel like the walls have come in around you. That that is the place that the captain thrives in. David has taken those misfits in those places and led them to victory. And God would do the same for us. And to bitterness I say, you have no right to be here. You have no place in this church. You have no place in this city. For God has given to us victory over what the enemy would do in bitterness to souls that are walking through our lives completely in bitterness at what has come to their life. I'm going to invite you to this altar. I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to invite us to just pray and say, God, let me see again what you desire to do with my life. And let me be, God, mighty. God, give me strength to be mighty. I'm going to invite you to come and pray over your city and say, God, there's misfits. There's ones like me, God. I'm going to invite you to lift your hands and lift your voice. I'm going to invite all those that would to come and say, God, let this be a place. Let this be a cave, as it were, where the misfits can walk into. Come on, I want you to lift your voice. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to lift your voice strong and say, God, send us the broken. Send us the distressed. Send us those that are hurting. Send us those that don't see how it could ever come to pass. I want you to pray with fervency, God, give us victory and give us might, God. Give us strength to hold the sword. Come on, there's a moving of the Holy Ghost right here. There's a moving of the Spirit in your strength right now, Lord God. I pray, God, that you would stir every heart in this place. Stir every mind, God. Stir every soul, God. Let there be strength upon us right now. Let there be strength in this congregation right now. Let there be a deafening cry, God, that says, give us, God, those that are where they need to be, not what they should be, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Minister right now. Let the Holy Ghost strengthen somebody. Let the Holy Ghost, God, give victory to somebody's life. God, let the Holy Ghost give victory to somebody. of those mighty that were once misfit be heard right now. Why don't you magnify Him? Why don't you glorify Him? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 